Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow, with your host, Linda Nazareth. Well, hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. You know, a year ago, we probably saw working from home as a bit of a temporary thing. Yes, there were some companies that had already gone that route, but it was, for a lot of organizations, just something they had to get through. But now, it seems like it's something that may be here to stay and something we have to think about policy for, because if this is a permanent state of being, we have to have the right policies in place. And it is absolutely a challenge because you have different viewpoints here. You have a lot of people who don't want to go back to a traditional office environment, and you have companies that are open to different work arrangements hybrid arrangements, whatever else. But when you have different workers with different arrangements, how do you get to a place where it seems like everyone's treated fairly? How do you bring in the equity consideration here? Because, you know, it it was easier when everybody was in the same kind of setup and you were trying to use the same benchmarks for everybody. Now it'll be absolutely different, maybe a lot of different arrangements. And you have to figure out, you know, how do you treat people so that everyone is treated equitably and everybody feels that they are. So it is uh, really time to talk about that. And I'm really happy today to have a guest who knows a lot about it and can really give us some great insights. Her name is Stephanie Dismore. She's Managing Director of North America for HP. Now, like so many companies, HP has had to pivot, deal with a lot of challenges over the past year and a half, and they've done so. So Stephanie's able to talk about that experience, but more than that, she is able to share some of the concerns she has about the hybrid model of work and why it may be problematic when we're talking about equity and how companies can circumvent that. So it's a really great conversation I was able to have with her. Please stay with us to hear it. a hybrid workforce and be mindful of equity considerations at the same time. Well, as a guest today, I have Stephanie Dismore. Now, she's Managing Director of North America for HP, and she joins me to talk about this, the challenges and the possible solutions. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, how are you today? I'm just fine. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. It's such a a time to be talking about all of this. We've gone through uh, a crazy cycle and we're not done yet. But, you know, before we even get to that, I always like to ask my guests about their own backgrounds. How did you end up doing what you're doing? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, where I'm sitting today is really a result of um, me having this um, career map for myself. I call it my, my North Star. And I'll never forget about 10-ish years ago, I was in a sales conference uh, and I was sitting next to a gentleman who was uh, uh, my partner uh, in the legal world. Uh, He was supporting me and and he said something to me about, you know, by the way, where do you want to go the next five years? And I remember pointing up at that time to our SVP um, in our organization and I said, you know, one day. Um, I want Bill DeLacy's job. That's the gentleman who had had uh, my job today, effectively. And um, and that's really, um, you know, how I worked to get to where I am today. It's through a lot of hard work, um, but a lot of diligent, um, purposeful planning uh, and alignment in terms of networking relationships and really building what I needed to build um, to get to where I am today. 
I wanted to to run um, this organization. I wanted to run run it for North America, and uh, you know, I, I really worked carefully at putting and 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 taking opportunities that would help me bridge the gap to where I was at the current time to where I am today. Well, congratulations. Uh, you did it, but you really picked a time to be running this organization. This last year and a half, or probably, it's probably something you didn't think about 10 years ago. I know there've been a lot of challenges, but I mean, can you give us a big picture? What's been the most surprising to you? That's a, <laughs> you know what, an easier way to answer that question if you said, um, what hasn't been surprising um, to me in the last, call it two years? Uh, I would tell you that the the level of uncertainty has been unprecedented for all of us um, managing um, groups of people or, or running a company or in any capacity um, that we live in. I think especially the last 18 months, um, have it, it's been this, this intense time of uncertainty. And I would say that has been the biggest challenge um, as a leader of, organ- of an organization on how you plan um, how you do scenario planning, how you um, try to kind of stay in front of the curve um, has never been more difficult than I've seen um, in the last two years since since really COVID, uh, you know, came to us and how we manage within that from um, shifting our um, our objectives internally to managing um, an entire workforce remotely um, to dealing with uh, fatigue and burnout of people, you know, working at their desks in anywhere between eight to 10 hours a day. And, and, uh, and then just the stress that people are under, again, it's, it's at an unprecedented level, level, given that everything has changed. Um, if you think about before COVID hit, uh, we would never have assumed in any world that we live in that we would do everything from home through technology. We would never have dreamed that we would completely work from home, that we would shop from home, that we would socialize from home, um, that we would even entertain from home, that we would work from home, learn from home, you name it. Um, It it has changed significantly. And then how you adapt to those different um, situations uh, that people are dealing with, caring for young kids that are now you're effectively a teacher um, in, in last year's world that we lived in to helping and and supporting elderly parents in our world. Everything that we kind of planned on doing modified and we pivoted pretty pretty quickly um, as, as the world goes, so to speak. Well, we're kind of moving into a different phase of this because we had hoped this fall it'd be kind of normal and we'd be putting this behind us. And clearly, you know, we have another roadblock here. Do you think we have different challenges here? Are, are you concerned about, you mentioned the burnout that people have right now? Yeah, I think what I can tell you is that I can guarantee that we will have changes and we will have challenges. Um, And yes, I think they will be um, constantly moving and those challenges will continue to come and they will look different as we move through different phases. I think a lot of us thought we would be in a different place right now um, with COVID. I think many of us thought we would be um, returning to a bit of what we, we used to call a normal lifestyle, where we would be out and about traveling, um, going back to work, going into the office. And, and as we all know, that has been put on pause for a lot of us, depending on where we live, based on what's going on with COVID. So I think this idea of what are the new challenges, I think the new challenges, a big one in terms of leadership, are how do you lead and you keep your your teams, your organizations engaged um, when there is so much uncertainty and when people are 
quite frankly, exhausted and frustrated with with where we are um, in, in light of COVID. But, you know, you think about equity considerations. This is part of your challenge. What are the things you've seen over the past year that have concerned you? Well, the big thing that, that has concerned me is this whole idea of the digital divide. Um, no, there's no other point in time where it has been absolutely critical to have technology and have infrastructure like um, Wi-Fi, or internet access in your home. And you know that I would say is where I would uh, lose sleep at night. It's how we not only as a company but as individuals support our communities to try and close that gap, to create that digital equity um, within our community. Um, that number one, I would say, is, is a bit, the biggest challenge in, in terms of where I'm concerned and how we can help collectively solve that problem. Okay, so we're, we're looking at remote work for longer. Uh, we have the digital issue. We have parents at home with kids, perhaps at home too. Is there a consensus on whether this is going to be a good thing for the long term? Not the problems, but remote work. Like, is this going to be a workable thing we do for longer than COVID in your view? Or do you think we at some point will go back to the old structures in some form? Yeah, uh, I think if, if anytime you turn on the news, uh, there's always a, a great heated discussion about what um, our world looks like in the future. Um, what I can tell you from my lens, I think that um, I think that there has been um, some some silver lining in terms of the whole world shifting to a remote environment, and there's some positive things that have come out of that that I think will stay as we move to the future. I also think there's some challenges, and I think that there's some negatives, and so it's hard to get a consensus between hey is this hybrid model going to be good in the long term or bad? I think it's a bit of both. And, and we obviously want to keep the good and, and pivot um, um, and kind of and pivot away from where uh, the negative impacts our lives. So, for example, if you think about um, our world prior to COVID, if there were challenges, if you were in sales, if your customer had an issue, uh, and many, many people out there have customers all over, um, all over, and, and you would, it would require to get on an airplane to go and meet with people face to face to solve a problem. The benefit of COVID, what that's enabled is uh, a cultural norm to say, hey, let's jump on the phone. Let's do a Zoom call or a Teams call or you name it. Um, and let's, let's do this within the hour. And so the benefit here is because there's a norm and there's ex an acceptance of that, that's a beautiful thing. Um, me personally, I, you know, before COVID, if I had an issue, it's how do I fit getting on a plane to head to Seattle? Uh, can I make that happen in the next three weeks? What do I have to move around? This is an escalation situation. Now I can do that in a day um, and we can solve problems. And so that speed of, of solving things, meeting with people has increased and we've been able to create solutions because of the remote acceptance. I think where there's a negative is people long for interaction with people. And so I do believe in the future, we're going to see um, kind of a, like we're all using the word hybrid, but, but uh, not only hybrid in the workforce, but we will, the pendulum will swing back to somewhere closer to where we were before COVID. But I believe it won't get all the way uh, back to where we were because, because of this acceptance of being able to work um, in a remote environment. 
You know, I have to think that it really is going to depend on labor demand, because if you can't get the person you want for your New York office, but there's somebody who lives in Los Angeles who could do the job, a lot of people are going to campaign to have that person remote, right? So if you're the manager and you're trying to deal with this, some people in the office and some people geographically far away, or at least not in the office that day, what are the challenges there compared to the old style? Yeah, that's, that's also a really, really good question. I think you, you kind of said it in your question, which is equality. Um, you know, all of us talk about equality and we think of gender, ethnic, or you name it. And now we need to think of equality in terms of being physically present or being remote. I think that's um, a manager's probably number one challenge as we move forward is how do we create that equality for both sets of people, those that are in the office and those that are physically not present. And so, you know, I think I think some of the things that will come top of mind to managers are what are some processes and tools that I can put in place, like having a buddy system for meetings, right? Sometimes, as we all know, a question is asked in the room, somebody on the phone or, you know, on, on, the, on the laptop um, can't hear it or they're trying to make a point and they get caught off by the people in the conference room. Can you have a buddy system? So everybody in the room is a buddy with somebody that's on, you know, in a remote setting so that. Uh, points of view um, and comments are um, really treated equally between those that are physically present and those that are not. So that's an idea of ideas of things that managers can do in terms of in introducing tools and processes. But there's also uh, technology. And I think technology will play a, a big role in how we address that as well in terms of how people collaborate um, in, in both settings and how our conferencing capabilities um, can enable a more seamless environment between physically present and remote. So I think it's a mixture and a combination of tools, processes, and, and technology and solutions. Well, it's almost like offices have to be physically remade because it's a different arrangement altogether. Right? Yes. And I think to your point, that whole idea of people um, coming to a, a, a physical place um, well, we will all think about that somewhat differently as we move forward. Um, perhaps in the old world, we would say pre-COVID, we would say, hey, we go to the office and we go and we sit at our desk and we do our jobs and maybe we're on the phone and maybe we go into meetings. In the new world, it's why am I going to the office? I'm going in to collaborate with people. I'm going in to create um, and innovate together with other people. And so, as you mentioned, offices will have to be uh, reformatted um, and restructured to create that environment of collaboration, where today, if, if it's just sitting in an office, perhaps you say, hey, if you're just going to sit in your office, you can do that anywhere. But let's uh, create our hybrid environment where those that are meeting and collaborating and innovating together come in on certain dates are, are some, uh, some things that we're all going to have to deal with as we move forward. You know, when we look at different groups of people, I have to think younger workers are going to be more open to being at the office physically because they want to be with colleagues and perhaps parents are more likely to want to be home because they have to be there for whatever else. How do you deal with that? Because as much as you try and make it all equal and fair, you know, there are going to be different experiences people have and different ways managers react to them. Is there a way or, or do you just kind of accept that people are going to have different I don't want to say opportunities, but we'll make different choices and that will give them different outcomes. Yeah, I think the key here is flexibility. What we're hearing consistently is that people want flexibility. And I think as not only just younger people, but I think if you think of the continuum of your life, your life changes and you have different times in your life where 
um, quite frankly, you have more flexibility um, to go into an office. And there are other times that you don't. And I think the key for managers to really understand and, and how to keep your employees engaged um, is, is actually being aware and really giving the autonomy down to that first um, of that first level manager because they know their teams, they know their people. And if every manager has that, um, I, would, I would almost say an intimate relationship in terms of understanding your team, understanding the needs and desires, and then creating the right um, process within your organization to enable uh, the most engaged group of employees is critical. I mean, you think about not only is it an engagement issue, but it's also a recruiting issue. As you mentioned before, if if people can work anywhere for certain jobs, A, that manager has a huge opportunity because the talent available is significantly higher than, hey, I am looking for somebody in this specific location. So there's, there's a benefit, but then there's also a responsibility of how do you manage within that team where you have both? And again, I think the most important thing is that authentic understanding and knowledge of your, of your teams and, and then the ability to create that right structure for knowing that, that A, we have equality, but B, uh, equality doesn't necessarily mean the same. And how do you create that on your team? Well, do you have to actively train managers to be aware of this? Because this is different than we, what we had before. Yeah, totally. I think, listen, I have uh, had roles um, in the past where 100% of my team have been remote. And quite frankly, I would say managing a remote team is far easier than managing a hybrid team, right? Where you have some folks that are going into an office office and some that are not. Um, the responsibility that falls on the manager is significant. So yeah, I think we absolutely are going to need to not only do training, but we also need to reskill. We need to reskill managers to, to um, really understand and develop that uh, the approach of how you do this and how you create it and how you define it within your organization is going to be critical. Is it a different set of skills that you're looking for for managers? Uh, that is a really good question. I, the answer is there needs to be a different level of or a different set of skills. Um, and if you just think about it, it's it's kind of a, at a basic level, right? It's more complex. It's understanding more on the, um, I would say, the emotional side of business versus just the output side and understanding the the what impacts burnout, what um, what impacts, um, quote, isolation or that feeling of being isolated away from the rest of the group? How, how can you enable a, an outcome um, that is better than what is today? And so, yeah, I think it absolutely requires a different set of skills. I think many of those skills can be learned. And, and also, I think once training is involved, um, will absolutely be helpful. But I do think it is a different level. The benefit here is that I think for the last 18 months, we all have been learning, um, you know, in the jobs as we go, because this was handed to us almost overnight. And if you think about how remarkable our world transitioned from in-person to remote without missing a beat in many areas, it's it's pretty amazing um, on how that happened. And so now to say, okay, what's moving forward now that the environment is changing and pivoting and we're seeing an ebb and flow, um, I think it's much more complex uh, and it's a little bit more complicated for managers as we move forward. 
Okay. You know, Stephanie, one thing I wanted to ask you about is mentorship, because I've read about your background, and it seems to be something that you have put some time into. Can you talk about that a little bit and the importance of it? Listen, I'm a huge um, believer that um, what we do what and the what is anything, right, in terms of um, what our business is and, and the outcomes we're trying to drive is largely driven on who um, is doing it, meaning your people and your employees. And so to me, that's uh, in my world, my number one valuable, call it asset, is the team and the people. And so how can I, as a leader of my organization, do everything in my power to make sure that A, the organization knows that, that they know that their leadership team believes that they are critically important to the success of the organization. Um, and number two, to, your, to answer your question, mentorship, I believe, um, is very important for people um, as they navigate their own careers. Um, and I believe that for me, how I've um, kind of incorporated that into my daily routine is to have a set, set of mentees. And for me, it's to really understand, A, who they are, but B, where are they trying to go? I kind of go back to my own example of having a North Star in terms of um, what job do I want to have? And then how do I get there? That's my mindset as a mentor is what are you trying to do, whether it's this year, whether it's a project, whether it's um, holistically involved with your personal and professional life. What, do you, what are your goals? And then what are you doing to get, like kind of, um, bridge the gap to where you want to go? And then how can I help you? And how can we discuss how you can get there? And to me, I think it's really important to really be very, very clear with what are the objectives of that mentee-mentor relationship. And if there is none, it can sometimes just be conversation, um, which is good. But if, if, if you were really trying to be as productive as possible in a mentorship relationship, it's critical to have very, very clear objectives set up for both sides so we can accomplish those in those settings. It seems it would be particularly important right now when people aren't physically together all the time. Absolutely. And that connectedness and to know that, hey, this is if, if you're mentoring me, I want to tell you, hey, this is where I'm trying to go. What are your thoughts? Here's what I'm doing. Who should I be talking with? Right. So it becomes very, very actionable. Um, and, and it becomes almost like a, um, a, a map um, for your for your mentor. And to your point, sometimes you can you lose sight of that as we all are working from home um, because we're not physically connected with other people. Stephanie, if we uh, talk about this ending, uh, the say the COVID, the emergency, the uh, having to pivot all the time part of this, and we get to some kind of norm on this, where do you think the workforce will be in five years? What do you think it should look like? And what do you think it will look like? So I think it will look different. I think everything that we just discussed um, is a reality that um, will, will reshape the way the workforce looks in the future. I think, number one, I think more and more people will be working from home. Um, and I think, you know, you just hear, um, you know, again, when you turn on the news, you can hear what, um, what people want. They want flexibility. Um, we hear that companies are saying, hey, um, we are offering opportunities to live anywhere. So we're going to see an increase in talent across the board for different jobs because of just the opportunity to live anywhere. So we're going to continue to see that more and more opportunities 
um, have the flexibility to have this hybrid come into the office in some days and work from home some days. I think due to COVID, I think we'll see a greater uh, investment just in overall health, um, hygiene and safety. And I think what that means is um, companies will start looking at their office buildings and office space and set those up for the highest level of health and safety, but also for collaboration and integration. So I think we're, we'll see some, some of those things change as well. Um, I also think that, you know, that we're going to continue to see this idea of, um, you know, machine learning and, 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 and how um, AI and, and how, you know, this whole idea of digital transformation will play in the roles of jobs. Um, and I, I really believe that um, this pandemic really has forced all of us to really um, understand how, how really human interaction and machine learning work best together. Um, and what that will mean eventually is that a lot of, of uh, uh, people will, back to the, the question you asked earlier, will need to be reskilled uh, to get the highest level of efficiency um, between the two as we look at that. I mean, you probably have read it yourself in, in different outlets, how many companies um, have pivoted quickly and digital transformation has been uh, number one on a priority list largely due to, um, to, to what the pandemic did. And I believe that will be um, a key driver in terms of how things will shape and move forward in, in five years to come. It's uh, pretty interesting in terms of a time to be leading a company. So uh, good luck. It'll be really interesting to see where we are at the end of it. Stephanie, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. It's a lot of fun. Stephanie Dismore is Managing Director of North America for HP. Well, that's it for today. If you'd like to know more about Stephanie and her work, please take a look at our show notes. You will find some links there. If you'd like to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at at Relentless Eco. Now, if you did enjoy this conversation about the future of work, please take a moment and leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps people to find us and that helps us to keep these conversations going. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks as always to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at the workandthefuturepodcast.com. The Work and the Future Podcast with Linda Nazareth is a relentless economics production.